All right, focus of. Um, yeah, today's daf is daf gimel. Um, and just to review what we did yesterday in Sukkah, um, we introduced a couple of major themes. We're dealing with the discussion of the height of 20 amot, but some of the important themes we introduced <coughs> was the question of a sukkah temporary dwelling, um, which was one reason given for the need for it not to be too tall. The other issue that we introduced was the idea, um, actually, I should have started by saying that the first major point is that the concept of sukkah is primarily defined by schach, um, and that was clear that a number of the Amorayim, um, un- when they uh, explained the problem of being too high, it was too, the schach being too high, and focused on psukim that mentioned the word sukkah, and sukkah is by naturally taken to mean the schach. And so one of the issues was the question about permanence versus uh, temporary, and the other was the idea of being able to see the schach, um, and the importance of understanding the significance of the schach, maybe to some degree, lemanye du dorsechem, but to see the schach. And the third was the issue of, um, what do you call it, of, um, um, of, uh, the schach's ability to provide shade, not just according to one opinion, to have the intrinsic quality of blocking out the sunlight, but to in effect give shade to the sukkah, um, and therefore if it was too high, that would be a problem. Um, and yet the issue of Interestingly, the Gemara says that the question of temporary dwelling is um, is not defined by building material. You can make a brick sukkah, um, but Tosus raised the important question, um, and the Gemara is focusing on the question about the dimensions. But Tosus raised the important question about can the schach be so permanent that it is defined as your house? And Tosus's conclusion was that it could. One definition of Tosus for the schach being permanent that it would no longer be considered temporary would be that rain would be impossible for rain to get through. Um, as Joe was mentioning a second ago, there is also this idea of being able to see the stars which um, um, is, I believe, based on a Yushalmi or something. Anyway, it's not certainly not a strict requirement. Tosis's focus was about the rain getting through. We also raised the issue about, uh, you know, just the permanent nature of a schach, nailed in with nails and planks and the whole thing and plaster. So presumably, again, another example where maybe that's not quantified, but the identity of a sukkah very much tied up in the schach. So we continue now at the bottom of Bet Amadat Bet, where it says... Um, um three lines from the bottom and we're now going to try to prove which of these explanations is the correct one for the problem of the height based on this story with Queen Hilni who sat in a sukkah higher than 20 amot this was the proof that Rebbe Huda gave the rabbis to which the rabbis retorted and said that's not a proof um, she was a woman and she was exempt and he said back yeah but she had sons and as the Gemara sort of elaborated at least her sons were obligated for, in, rabbinically from the Chinuch perspective so let's take a look so this works according to the approach that says that the whole problem of the height is only when the, wall, the walls don't reach the schach. Because the issue is, will you, will you, will you see the schach? So if the walls reach the schach, your eyes will be drawn up to the intersection of the walls and the roof. So the only debate was when the walls didn't reach the schach, um, and, but if the walls reached the schach, it could be as high as you want. So that works, because obviously this case of Hilmi was the case, a case that's relevant to the debate. So it, it's understandable that her case was one where the walls didn't reach the schach. Good Atik doesn't help. Good Not for your visual ability to see it. Good Atik helps to say you have a wall. But here the question is, the problem of will you see the schach? So that's a, rea- a, reali- a, a question of reality. So the Gemara says, Darka Shomalka, so it would be normal, it's totally understandable that she was sitting in a sukkah, you know, it's a very fancy sukkah with built-in air conditioning that had the walls not reaching the schach, so it could be uh, getting a nice breeze. So it's understandable that was the case. So that's perfect, because that's the case that's debated according to that approach is the case where they do not reach the schach. Mishuma Vira, in order to get some air circulation going on, top of Gimel Amadala. But according to the approach that the problem is with, that the schach won't provide shade and therefore the problem is only with a very small sukkah because therefore the schach covers a small area and if it's too high won't provide shade but if it's a larger sukkah and a larger area then it's not a problem even high schach will provide shade so according to that approach that their whole debate was in a small sukkah how could they have been debating the case of Hilmi? the key darker shamaka leishim besukkah katana would a queen sit in such a tiny sukkah four by four amot very reasonable question. So it's in, how could you say that that's the debate? Look at the, you know, here they're debating Hilmi and clearly she must have been sitting in a big sukkah. 
So I'm a rabbi baravada. Lo nitzracha el sukkah siyot kitoniyot kitoniyot. It's a sukkah that's made with little compartments. So yeah, maybe it's a huge sukkah, but there are private little eating compartments that you go into and eat in private. And uh, therefore, the issue at those halachically, even if they're you know, even if it's really one big structure and it's with sub, like a build like a house, a building, right? A building has a big structure with rooms. So even if it's technically true that it's a big structure from the outside, halachically, if inside you're sitting in a chamber that has four wa- four walls and an inner chamber, that's the sukkah. The sukkah isn't judged by the big thing. The sukkah is the space you're sitting in surrounded by walls. And therefore, the schach directly above it would be small and would be too high and not able to provide shade below. Those walls so, would also have to go all the way up to the schach. No, no, no. Don't, don't confuse it. The, the, the halach is a, for sukkah to be kosher the walls don't have to go to the schach the issue of walls going to the schach was according to one opinion that if the walls reach the schach it could be as high as you want right. right so this is the other opinion this is the opinion that says that the issue is not seeing the schach the issue is the schach practical providing of shade and it's only a problem it's only debated when you're talking about a small sukkah so how could we be having a small sukkah here? So it says, so the question this doesn't matter if they get the schach or not. The question is, how big is the area of the schach? So it says, since you're, how could the queen be in a small sukkah? No, she's in a big sukkah, but there are little, separate little rooms, and therefore, um, and that's why uh, she was technically in a small sukkah. Okay, so the Gemara says, Would the queen sit in a sukkah that's all tiny little chambers? Like, you know, wall, you know, like, it's ima- presumably it's imagining that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, if you go into your compartment, there's no general larger sitting room. So the whole thing is just, has tiny little chambers for people. So, Amravashi, lo kitonio no, it, it really is, there really is a nice big, you know, outer room that everybody can sit, okay? But then it also has little side chambers, and she was sitting in a little side chamber, and that's still a little funny. Wouldn't the queen be sitting in the larger yeah. room? You know, maybe she was sitting in the larger room to greet guests, but when she would go eat, she would go eat in private. Um, anyway, that's the care, that's the case. Now, Rashi has a problem, because Rashi said, I'm sorry, um, so the rabbi figured, okay, it doesn't prove anything. She's eating in private, and presumably her sons would eat in the large dining room, and therefore it's not a problem that, that the sons that are, that, that the sons, even though the sukkah's tall, the sons are in a large sukkah, and this is the approach, that a large sukkah, there's not a problem with height, okay, because the schach provides shade. Rabbi Yehuda Sava, Amisham Hachi Lo Amile Dava, and therefore not, nobody said anything to her. Rabbi Yehuda Sava, Banah Gabah Haviyasi. No, the kids were with her in one of the tiny little rooms. Rabbi Yehuda Hachi Lo Amile Dava, they didn't say anything. So that's just proof. Everybody was in a tiny little room, and 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 therefore, if it's small, there's a problem that the scha, that of the height. That's where it's debated the height because that's the problem of the schach providing shade. And Rabbi Yehuda says they didn't say anything to her. So you see, it's really not a problem. Okay, so what we have to do is. Since according to one approach, the problem of the schach being too high is a problem that it won't provide shade, and that the Gemara qualified and said is only a problem if it's a very small schach, a small sukkah, how could they have been debating the Hilmi case? Wouldn't it obviously have been a large sukkah? And the basic answer is, no, she actually was sitting in a small chamber, and that's why they could debate it. And this question about, can't you bring a proof where the sons were, and doesn't that prove that they, you know, that they were sitting in a, it, that it was an okay sukkah? The rabbi say, no, the sons were sitting in the big section, and again, the, nobody would debate if it's a big sukkah. And as far as the small section where we debate, that already, they said, is a, what do you call it, is, um, it would only have been her. By the way, Rafi says, how could Rabbi Huda said back, according to this reread of the Brita, that all the kids were with her in a little section? How could all the kids fit in a tiny little section? Mm-hmm. If it's four almost by four almost, maybe. But if it's like seven trochen by seven trochen, which is another approach, you know, certainly not. How could they fit? And even four almost by four almost, how could they all fit in a tiny little section? So Tosa, and there are seven of us. So Tosa <laughs> says, it's not a problem. Tosa says, because, and this is an important idea for sukkah, to be the minimum size, it's not su- oh, sufficient that it has the minimum area. It has to have both the right width and length. So Tosa says, you could have had a section, a room, that's three and a half almost wide and 20 almost long, and that's not a minimum sukkah, because in one dimension, it's not the minimum length. Uh, so therefore, all seven sons could have sat, and maybe also in that case, 
that we would say the schach wouldn't provide shade. In order for the schach to provide shade, it would have to be four amot in each direction. It's not enough that it's very long. It would have to go the minimum in both directions. Yes? Yeah, the picture book indicates it's not so much a... Uh, um, chamber? A, a chamber, but sort of a... a uh, an extra yeah. presentation. Well, that's be- that's, just be- that's just because it's going to the second answer that there's a large dining yeah. room and then there's and a chamber changes offside of it. That, that doesn't matter. The only difference is whether there was a, would be a door there or not. Yeah. If it would be a door, you'd call it a, cha- a chamber. Okay, it's basically the same point. All right. So that's what we basically have said. Different approaches to the debate of 20 amot. They lead to different limitations or, or different, different, different you know, cases in which it's a problem. Maybe it's only a problem if the walls don't get to the schach. Maybe it's only a problem in the small sukkah. And try to test that theory out by this case by Hilni, which was debated. So let's take a look. Now the Gemara, because we're talking about four by four or Rosh Hashanah and he raised yesterday that question about what's the minimum size of a sukkah now it's important to shift gears we're putting aside for now the question about the 20 yama height and what it's based on we're now going to focus on the issue that was came up incidentally which was what is the minimum size of a sukkah so you have a total normal sukkah six feet tall eight feet tall we're not talking about height that doesn't matter we're talking about a different question now what is the minimum size of a sukkah so let's take a look so, Amar of Shmuel Bar Yitzchak. So, it says Shmuel Bar Yitzchak, Halacha tzricha chitei machzekes rosh of rubo v'shochana. The halacha is that a sukkah has to be able to fit your head, your body, and your table, meaning it's not four by four amot, which we'll see is the position of Rebbe as the minimum size. It's much smaller size. Your head, your most of your body, again, the reason we say most of your body is because you're reclining. So, it's, you have to get in not just your head, but like, you know, half of your height. Okay, and your table, which is about seven trochen by seven trochen, which is about, we, we say, seven and a bit. So it's about what? Like something like about two feet by two feet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that makes sense, two feet from your waist to the top of your head. I guess also your head is probably propped up Even a little bit. So, well, no, but your head is not totally like this. Your head is a little bit like this. That's probably a little bit, probably a little bit from like your waist to your shoulders or something. Anyway, so, okay, so that's the size. So Amalei Rebbe Abba, so first of all, it's rejecting the opinion of Rebbe that we'll see later, says four by four Amot. So said Rebbe Abba, Kiman, who's that going like? Kibbeit Shammai? Are you going like Kibbeit Shammai? Amalei, Ela Kiman. He said back to him, yeah, and who else would I be going like? So, <laughs> so what does this mean, Beit Shammai? Um, if you take a look, it's important to turn for a moment to Kafcher Aleph and to read the Mishnah there, because this is all in reference to, the rest of the Yamud is going to be in reference to the Mishnah on Kafcher Aleph, 28a. So let's look over there at the Mishnah at the bottom of the page. Okay. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is the idea of the minimum of the of the minimum size of the sukkah, but you'll see it's a little confusing. And you'll also see an interesting parallel to what we just read about Hilni Hamalka and debating what actually happened. Mishaya Rosha Varubo Basukha, somebody whose head and the majority of his body was in the sukkah, but Shulkhanabayas and the table was in the house. Bichamai posts and Bichamai invalidated. Beit Hillel Machir and Beit Hillel says that it's kosher. Amul Beit Hillel Beit Hillel Beit Hillel said to Beit Hillel, "Lo kachayim ma'isa shalchu zikin Beit Hillel zikin Beit Hillel levaket with Yochanan and Hachornis." Wasn't there the following story that the elders of at the houses of Hashamai and Hillel went to visit with Yochanan ben Hachornis? And Matu Shai Yosef Rosha Ruba Sukkah. He was sitting. Him and the majority of him was in the sukkah. But Shulchan Beit Hillel Kabayis and his table was in the house. With Amr Lodavar, they didn't say anything to him. So you see, the table can be in the house. Amr Lodavar Beit Shammai, so Beit Shammai retorted back. Mishan Raya, you want to bring a proof from there? That wasn't the whole story. The, the, they said to them, if they said to him, maybe at least the Beit Shammai said to him, Hey buddy, right now, because the parentheses is, if you're sick, you don't really, maybe it doesn't necessarily mean you're sick, they went to visit him. Okay, I just threw in Bikr Cholim, so <laughs> it says Levakia. Uh, but okay, so they said, if, you, if, if this is what you used to do, maybe, you know, not only have you not done sukkah today, but you actually have never done sukkah in your life if, you, if this is your practice to have, the, to have the table inside the house. So yeah, that is the story that a table's in the house, but the story was not, they didn't say anything to him. The story was actually, there they were, they were paying him a nice little visit, and then, you know, when you go pay somebody a visit, you point out to them all the problems and their sukkah. So that's what actually happened. Okay, so what we see is the debate of Beit Hill Beit Shammai. Now, here's the problem. The Mishnah makes it sound like it's not dealing with the size of the sukkah. 
The Mishnah makes it sound like the sukkah is however big the sukkah is. It's just a reality that you're keeping your table in the house. Now imagine here a table does not necessarily even mean serving table. It's like a tray that you have the food on that you eat off of. It's basically like saying your plate. So there you are, you're sitting in your sukkah and your plate with the food is in your house. So what you do is you go out of your sukkah, you take another slice of the meat, you come back and you sit and you eat it. Then you go back into the house, you take another slice of the potato, and you come back and you eat it. So you can understand why you would not want somebody to say that they could sit in a sukkah that way, because next thing they know, they'll be sitting in the house, right? So therefore, that's the debate. What's the story when your table is in the house and you're in the sukkah? But the gem- well, that's what, that's what you yeah. should imagine it. Yeah. That shulchan is the tray that has the food. It's no, not I, the, I imagine the, the sukkah right up against that. So it could be against that. So fine. So you don't have to get off of your seat. But exactly. you're going like this. Exactly. And then you're turning around here. And then, but right. still, next thing you know, you're still stretching into the house to get your food. Yeah. Um, fine. So anyway, so then, so the point is, that seems to be one question. Do we let you eat with keeping your food in the house and having to, you know, go and get your food? Um, um, that's one issue but the Gemara understands it that it's also a debate of the minimum size of a sukkah does a sukkah have to be able to contain your table or not Beit that says I don't care if your table's in the house says therefore the minimum size doesn't have to be able to contain a table Beit Shammai that says I need your table to be with you says the minimum size has to be able to contain a table so is the minimum size of a sukkah Rosho Verubo or is it Rosho Verubo Vishulchano does it also have to be able to fit for your shulchan so he said, if you're saying the minimum size is your head and your body and your table, who are you going like, Beit Shammai? And he said, yeah, who else? Okay, which is a funny who else, because you normally don't pass them like Beit Shammai. Ikadami, some say, um, Rabbi so, so Rabbi Abba said to um, who told you you could do this? Who told you this, this position of Rosh Rubo Shochano? Amar Leh, he said, Beit Shammai, yeah, I know what you're asking. It's Beit Shammai. The Lord tells us Mina. But don't, you know, don't move from it. This is the Halacha. I'm sorry. Here we pass him like Beit Shammai. Okay. Maskifa. So there's one question we passed him like. Now we're going to get to another question. What were they telling Beit Shammai really debating? So Maskifa Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak. So Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak asked, what makes you say that Beitel Beit Shammai debate a small sukkah? Meaning, what, where do you get this idea that they're debating the minimum size? Maybe they're debating a case of a nice, big, normal size sukkah. And, but the question is, how are you eating? And this is the way Dova is describing it. You're sitting there right at the opening, the doorway of your sukkah. Metulta is the Aramaic word for sukkah. Don't forget it, it'll come up a lot. And your table is in the house, and your house like directly opens into your sukkah. says, it's a gazera. It's not a question of a biblical minimum size. It's a rabbinic problem of, do we let you do this or not? Beit Shammai is afraid if we let you do this next thing you know you'll be eating inside the house we're not concerned and we don't make an edict and actually this can be inferred by the words by a close read of the words so it says it, it describes the scenario not what the size is but it describes the scenario that in fact the table is in the house Beit Shammai posts Beit being Easter, if it's like you think that they're debating the minimum size, not the presence of the table, it should have said a sukkah that can contain your body and your table, or only your body without your table. It should have described the capacity of the sukkah rather than the scenario that the table was in the house. Since it's talking about not the capacity, but about the scenario of the table in the house, clearly they're debating, can you do that act and do we make a gzera? Not a question of minimum size. So therefore, minimum size, who knows what the minimum size is? So the Gemara says like this, uh, Do you mean to tell me that they're not also debating the minimum size? The Hatanya, we taught in the Brysa, If it contains your head, your body, and your table, it's kosher. Four by four amot. So that clearly is a debate of Dimensions. It's a debate of the minimum size. And that's Rebbe of 4 by 4 Amot, and Beitel Beit Shammai, that's, oh, whatever, and the other position, that's Rosh Rubo Bishochano. 
Fine. The Tanya Ida, but we have another Brisa that says, Rebi Omer, Kosuka came by Arbamus, Alabamus, Ksula, any sukkah that's not four by four is invalid. The Chamimomim, Afilayna Machzeka, Salarosho, Verubok Sheh, it only has to be able to contain your head and your body. So, but the word table is not in that brighta. So basically what it's saying is, is that we have two brightas. In both brightas, Rebbe says the minimum size is four by four. But what's the opposing opinion? The one brighta says it has to be the minimum size is your head, your body, and your table. And the other brighta says that says your head and your body. So clearly there are two opinions out there whether a sukkah has to contain your table or not. And it makes sense to assume that that maps onto the debate of Beit Hillel Beit Shammai in the Mishnah about the scenario of the table being in the house. That Beit Shammai is concerned with your table not being in your sukkah, so he'd be concerned with the sukkah not being able to contain your table. And Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel is not concerned with it being in the house, and he's not concerned with it as, as, being, as having that capacity. Because in the Brites, so, we have the language of Mechazeket. Exactly, and it's clearly the Brites' minimum size. So the Gemara says... Okay, the Ilu Shulchan Aloktani, Kashinat Dadi, it's a contradiction of the Brightas. Elalashma, I mean, no, Habit Shammai, Habit Tilo. It must be one of the one that says you have to contain the table is Beit Shammai, the one that says it's not is Beit Tilo. Arma Marzutra, Marzutra says, Mazisin Nami Dika. There's a part of the Mishnah you were trying to infer from some of the language of the Mishnah, the Bishulchan Obetokhabais, it was describing a scenario, it wasn't describing, a, uh, it wasn't describing the dimensions. You were, you were inferring that it was talking about a large sukkah. Well, I will tell you that a close reading of some of the words of the Mishnah makes it clear that we're also talking about the minimum size. What's the evidence from the Mishnah? It says Beit Shammai invalidate and Beit Hillel says it's kosher. Now, it's saying puzzle and kosher is normally how you describe an object. The object's invalid. The object is kosher. Okay? Maybe you could say the masa mitzvah is pasul, but normally not. Normally pasul means the object. So, if he says, Gemara says, it sounds like they're talking about whether the sukkah is kosher or puzzle. Being Isa, if the whole debate was only about whether rabbinically we allow this or not, Beit Shammai mean lo yatsa, Beit Hillel mean yatsa mi violate. You should have said Beit Shammai said you didn't sa- fulfill your obligation. Yeah, actually, so actually, yeah. the Mishnah has contradictory language. Some of the language of the Mishnah says invalid, valid, invalid, which makes it sound like we're talking about the sukkah. And some say to talk about a scenario that your table's in your house, not about a question of size of the sukkah. So the elakasha mishahaya. So, but, that's, but how do you reconcile the focus on the object of the sukkah with, described, with the other part of the Mishnah that describes the scenario of the act of eating and how the eating is being done? So the Gemara says, the Olam Batarti Pligi. You know what? You're right. We have to assume that there are two debates going on here. Pligi Besukkah Ketana, Pligi Besukkah They're debating a big sukkah and a small sukkah. Small and a big. The Chesur Mechzeri Bachitani. It must be that some words are missing and here's how it has to be taught. Somebody whose head and body was in the sukkah and his table was in the house, so it's a big sukkah. But the scenario is that the table's in the house. Beit says you didn't fulfill your obligation. So now we're inserting these words. You didn't fulfill your obligation. And Beit says you did fulfill your obligation. That's one debate. With the scenario of a big sukkah but the table's in the house. Now another case is the minimum size. What about if it can only can, if, if it's a small size that can only contain your head and, and your body? invalidates. and validates. So that's a second debate, not the debate of a scenario of how you're eating, but a debate of minimum size, and they actually debate both. So there's a few, few things to point out. First of all, often when the Gemara says, oh, some words are missing, you know, you're left with a feeling that that's a very forced read of the original text. And some, uh, you know, Achronim say that, like the Gra explicitly says that when the Gemara says, it's just because the Brita doesn't, or the text doesn't fit with, it, with its position, and therefore it's uh, consciously, you know, changing the text. It's not really claiming that there was a different Girsa. Um, here, though, it is somewhat uh, persuasive, because you do seem to have two debates going on. There's evidence that there's a debate about minimum size, and the language of the mission, as the Gemara points out, points both ways. On the one hand, the mission is talking about a scenario of the table being in the house, and on the other hand, the language of psulim and machirim seems to be talking about the status of the sukkah. So, number one, it, you know, it seems like actually here, it's a very reasonable claim that this was somehow two debates that got conflated into one text. Now, are these debates linked? Logically, they seem to be, right? They seem to be parallel. How would you explain the linkage? So it seems that the, the, 
that it's that it's the following that ba- that what is considered to be a minimum size in order for ha- to inhabit. So what does inhabiting mean? We will find out later that inhabiting means as what we would say. What does it mean to live in a sukkah to eat? We'll find out later it also means to sleep. Okay, but if it contain your head in most of your body, then you can sleep in it. You know, at least your head won't get rained on or whatever. Okay, and presumably if most of you is in it, it's considered like all of you is in it. So you're in, you're sleeping in that space. It's a minimum size to just contain you to be uh, to be something to provide shelter for sleeping. Okay, because it's got the majority. Well, can it also provide space for eating? So is it considered? somewhat acceptable and natural to be able to eat if you can't have your table in there with you. So that's linked to this question of are we concerned you're going to follow after your table? Because the Ikshamay that says I think that it's very hard for people to stay in one space and their table to be somewhere else and then to be sort of present in the place they're in I don't trust you to be able to do that. I think you'll naturally be drawn after it. Well if that's true he can't consider a space that doesn't allow for your table to be there to be one that allows for natural habitation because you, you, there's no permanence there. You're always being pulled out. Whereas Beitillo feels, I'm not concerned you'll be pulled after your table. I think you can get your food and that you'll be able to root yourself in this place even if your food is somewhere else. So according to him, even if the space cannot contain your table, it's, a, it's enough of a minimum space to, con- to be some form of a habitation in some way in which you can be present, you know, and inhabiting that space. So it seems to be that the, the, that seems to be the explanation about how the debates are linked. Now, there's a fascinating question because we paskin, at least above, like Beit Shammai in terms of the minimum size. Do we also paskin like Beit Shammai in terms of the question if you have a large sukkah and your table's in the house? So that's actually a machlokas rishonim. How much do we really link the two debates? Okay, so a number of rishonim paskin like Beit Shammai for minimum size, but they say if you, it's a big sukkah and your table's in the house, it's okay, you're still yotze. A lot, others say, no, 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 as we've been discussing, they logically come together. So part of this Tosos discusses that, and this Tosos also discusses the question about um, which are the times when we paskin like Beit Shammai, because, you know, it's very rare that we paskin like Beit Shammai, so the beginning of the Tosos, if you just look at the first line of the Tosos, Samalachamani, Beit Shammai, Tosos Minei, he says, Beseda Rev Amram, Pasak Veshisha Mekomos, Halacha to Beit Shammai. So he quotes one of the Gaonim that says there are six places we pass in like Shammai, and this is one of them. So if you had a question, did, um, in either of these two debates, linked or unlinked, is the language of Machshir and Yatsa Vidyavad or the Chatchila, and in general, are those terms assumed to be the Chatchila position? So Machshirin is not Vidyavad. Um, Yatsa is sometimes understood to be Vidyavad, sometimes not. It, also, it might depend on like context. Like saying Shech or Yavidyavad right. or something. Right, yes, yes. Sometimes Yatsa means Vidyavad, but sometimes... But Machshir generally means Yatsa. Yes, yes, yes. Now, one last thing I do want to point out, which is this phrase... That um, that um, uh, that we saw from the Mishnah over there, where they said Beit Shammai, Shammai said, said that no, what they said to Rabbi Yochanan was in You've never fulfilled the mitzvah sukkah in your life if you did this. Now, what do they mean by that? If he was sitting in a big sukkah and his table was in the house, okay, he was being over on a rabbinic stricture, and maybe rabbinically lo you know, maybe rabbinically you weren't Yosei, but what do you mean I didn't fulfill it? I mean, at least biblically I was Yosei. And this leads to a fascinating question of, can the rabbis, you know, prevent you from being, make a, a gzera or ma- say something and prevent you from being Yosei biblically when you really were Yosei biblically? Now, they could always tell you, you didn't halachically do your obligation and you have to do it again at a rabbinic level, but does that really mean that when I die and go off to heaven, I won't have gotten credit for at least have done it, done it biblically. So this also comes up at the very beginning of Brachos, where it speaks about not saying Shema after Chatzot, right? If you know that first mission, you can really say Shema the whole night, but don't say it after Chatzot. What happens if you say it after Chatzot? Are you Yotze or are you not Yotze? Since the only reason not to do it before midnight, I mean to do it before midnight is rabbinic. Right. So there is. So the Gemara actually brings in this Mishnah about about the sukkah and eating in the house, and the upshot of that, uh, and the possibility of being drawn after that, and the language of Lokiyanta mitzvah and the upshot of it is, is is distilled in the last few lines of this Tosfos. So let's take a look at this Tosfos to Amar and take a look at what he says here um, uh, about. 
ten lines before the lines get wide. The line starts with the word Ubeit Shammai. You see that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it says, I'll go one line above that. There was like a reverse case. That Beitila was, I'm sorry. No, there was a reverse case. That Beitila was the Machmirim and Beit Shammai was not. The Logos Rinan, if you went like Beit Shammai and you did the Doraita, but you were not attending to the Dorabanan problem of Beitila, Lo Yatsa Yidei Chavaso, Afilu Doraita. If you went against Beitilel's rabbinic problems, then you didn't even fulfill the biblical obligation. Like we find in the reverse case by the Sukkah. You have a big Sukkah, but your table's in the house, and we're afraid you'll go after your table. The Kamri and Beit Shammai are saying, That even biblically, once we rabbinically tell you, you can't do it, then even biblically you're not Yotze your obligation. Now what exactly are the mechanics that the rabbis can say don't do it and not only are you being over on a Durabhanan but not being Yotze in a Doraita is fascinating. Some want to say maybe it's Mitzvah Bavera, maybe it's Yeshkoch Biyat Chachamim, who knows what it is. But it's interesting because we much normally think of Durabhanan in the terms of, in areas of Isurim and restrictions. Don't do the Malachas on Shabbos and don't do Muktzah and don't do a million other Durabhanans. So we know what's the consequence of violating a Durabanan. It's a transgression. It's a rabbinic transgression. But what's the consequence when Durabanans are in the world, not of Lotus says, but of Mitzvah says, where they're telling you, here's how rabbinically we want you to do the Mitzvah Sukkah. I didn't do that Durabanan. So, okay, did I transgress? Maybe even I transgressed. But, did I, but, but I still did a mitzvah. I still did a mitzvah sukkah. So to what degree do the Rabbanans, when they're relating to mitzvah saseh and put additional requirements, do they actually limit your ability to be yotze, not only on a rabbinic level, but even on a biblical level? So there is the possibility that it could even be biblical based on how you read that sugya and so on. It's not our immediate sugya, but even if you do say it sometimes happens, it doesn't mean it always happens. Like, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of Rabbanans by sukkah. What's kosher schach deraisa? What's kosher schach derabanan? What da 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 da? It doesn't mean that every single one you would say you're not yotze on a deraisa level, but it does put that possibility out there. Yes. Uh, and then there's my favorite example of the possibility of redeeming Meister Shani on an asimon. Yes. Uh, the rabbis seem to think that if you do that, you have not. Even okay, that's different. That's a question of rabbinic interpretation of verses. That is very different than here. Here they're saying that we 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 acknowledge that biblically you're Yotze. But we, at a rabbinic le- are rabbinically are legislating an additional requirement. Mm-hmm. So that your case is rabbinic yes, interpretation, it's, not legislating. It's a huge mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> you can say the same thing about the Well, all right. We're not going to go there, but okay. In other words... I got it. Mantana, back to the left, five, six lines on the bottom. Mantana lahadzatana rabbanan. So now, so that's number one. The minimum size, Rosho Verubo or Rosho Verubo Vishulchano. Debate of Beit Hilbe Shammai. Now we're going to turn to Rebbe's position that has a bigger minimum size. Four Amot by four Amot. Okay, Man Tana Lahad Tana Rabbanan. Who is the Tana of the following Brighta? Bayit She'embo Arba Amot or Arba Amot. If a house is less than four Amot by four Amot. Basically, the point of this Brighta is going to be that a house less than four Amot by four Amot does not constitute a house. That the four Amot by four Amot is the minimum size of a house for halachas that demand a house. What type of halachas demand a house? So let's take a look. If it doesn't have four amot by four amot, patamina mezuzah, there's no obligation of a mezuzah, because it says al mezuzah pechecha, umina maket doesn't need a, a roof, because it says ki tivne bayit chadash, okay, a house, okay, uh, not a roof, a, a, a railing around the roof. The enam tamay bin negaim, if it gets spots, it does not become tamay with negaim, because it says, if you say kanega nearly babayit, if you sell a house in a walled city, then at the end of a year, you have a year to redeem it. At the end of the year, it permanently transfers over to the buyer. If, you, if it's not four by four amot, it's not treated as a house. It's treated just as like an open field, as a yard. And therefore, it could always be redeemed and it would go back to Yovel. It would not have any special of those special rules. If you built a new house, 
but it was less than four amot by four amot, then it would not be a basis of returning from the battle, from, you know, from going out to war. It would not be an exemption from the draft, because the exemption from the draft is somebody, Asher Bana Bayit Chadash, who built a house, and this isn't the house. The Ain Ma'arvin Bo, the Ain Mishtachin Bo, if it is a house in a courtyard, then it is not required to participate in the Eruv. When it's not, you know, to give the bread for the Eruv. Or if the courtyards are getting together for a shitu from a va'ot, a joining of the courtyards in an alleyway, and it is the only house of a courtyard that opens up into the alleyway, then that courtyard does not have to contribute the bread either, because this is not a house, and the requirements are only for the houses to participate. Or courtyards, or that have houses. So if this is a courtyard that only has this one structure, it doesn't have to participate because this does not, it does not constitute a house. Similarly, if the houses of the courtyard all got together to get this loaf of bread or these loaves of bread, you can't store it in this house because it has to be stored in a house and this isn't a house. The Ain Osim top of Gimelam is that. The Ain Osim also Ibor Ben Also, you do not make it a pregnancy between two cities. <laughs> what this means is the following. Okay, you might remember the idea that you have 2,000 amos are outside of city limits. Here's your city, okay? And you have 2,000 amos as your tchum, right? In all directions. Now, let's say you've got another city over here. Okay, you have two... You know, that's not what happened. Let's say you've got another city over here. When are they considered to be one city and you start the 2,000 amos from the top here and from the bottom here and it's all one big city and when are they considered two separate cities? Okay, so if they're within uh, basically a hundred and uh, basically each city, the general rule is here's another question: how, what, what, how far out? If you've got some houses here, when are those houses considered? Where do you draw the city, the city limit? Mm-hmm. And the basic rule is anything that is within seventy and two thirds a moat between one house and the next is all considered connected. Mm-hmm. So if they're within seventy and two thirds a moat, they're all considered connected. Okay. So similarly, if let's say this city was 70 and two-thirds amot here, then of course it would be one city. But let's say instead, what you actually have is, is that there are 141 and a third, meaning they're not 70 and two-thirds within another, okay? But there's 70 and two-thirds at the middle point. So what would you need here in order to be able to daisy chain and get it all to connect? A house! A house! So if you got a house here, this house then becomes part of this city. It's within 72 thirds and part of this city. And then the cities are connected. So if you have a house, but it has to be defined as a house. And if it's not a house, it cannot serve to extend the city limits. Okay? So that's the, uh, that is the, that's the, that's the point of making it part of the pregnancy of the city. Okay? The Ein HaOchim V'Hashotfim and the brothers who are also Achim and Shutzim normally it's translated as brothers who are partners meaning when they're dividing an estate but whatever brothers or sometimes it means brothers and poor partners you don't divide a house that's that small right you take half of it I take the other half it's too small to be divided now the question is even if it was a larger not you know you think each one would need to get four by four so the Gemara will discuss the last case is a little complicated so let's take a look so the Gemara says all these things you see require four by four amot to define something as a house. Lema Rebihi Villa This presumably is the position of Rebbe, who his minimum size of a sukkah is four by four amot. So the Gemara says no. Afilu Rabbanan, even the rabbis could agree to that. The rabbis only said that a sukkah, which is a temporary dwelling, can be like, you know, seven tfachim, can be rosh over rubav shochano. Its whole definition is temporary. It seems that require a house. So, divas kevahu. A house is defined as, the whole difference of a house and a sukkah is it's defined as a permanent dwelling. So, therefore, I see the rabbanan modi, even the rabbis would agree. The east bay arba almost al arba almost dairi bay inchi. Four by four almost people will live, meaning they'll live in a, in a regular basis, not just as a temporary type of living, but as a more permanent way. And less than four by four is not a place that anybody would live in in an ongoing basis. So, basically, we have introduce an important idea that 
Four by four amot, presumably everybody agrees, is the minimum size for a direct keva, for a permanent dwelling, which is the normal thing halacha cares about, defining something as a house. Okay? The, uh, the smaller size, Rosh of Rubel Shukhano, is because of an idea that a sukkah is not defined as a house. A sukkah is not defined as a permanent dwelling. A sukkah is defined as a temporary dwelling, and therefore can be smaller, which raises the question of how does Rebbe define a sukkah? Because if Rebbe says a sukkah has to be four by four amot, it sounds like Rebbe would define a sukkah how? As what type of a dwelling? A permanent, right? Maybe that's exactly the debate. Maybe everybody agrees four by four is permanent. And maybe seven, maybe Rosharubo, everybody should agree as a temporary dwelling. Maybe, you know, and Rebbe might only demand four by four because maybe he thinks the sukkah also has to have the status of a permanent dwelling. So this is a really interesting question because when the Nisachet opened, we said that maybe the sukkah has to be small enough in order, not necessarily small dimensions, but in height, but it has to not be defined as a permanent dwelling, right? Now we're saying no, that actually the fact that it's a temporary dwelling means that it's okay if it's smaller, but there's no problem if it's bigger. Okay, so the idea, nobody is demanding that if identity as a temporary dwelling forces you to make it in a small and temporary way. It just means that it allows for it to be temporary. And now becomes a fascinating possibility that maybe Rebbe actually demands that a sukkah be a permanent dwelling. Okay? So this is really, you know, quite fascinating in terms of how do you define a sukkah and we'll continue to, to uh, work that through. Okay? But I, do, I, do sort of, I, I, I hope I'm being clear. Meaning, if the idea of permanent or temporary, right, how do you define a sukkah, right? It could be Arai and it could be Keva. So first of all, do you say the whole point of a sukkah is to be Arai different from your house? Or no, since you have to basuko teshuru, you have to live in a sukkah. So if you've got to live in a sukkah, so how do you live? If you have to live, it has to be habitable. So it has to be permanent, okay? So if you say it requires Keva, it requires Keva, right? That might mean a minimum size. That could be four by four on those, maybe other things. Okay, we'll see. Okay, so, but that means that in order to be due Teshru, in order to be like your house, okay, it has to have certain amount of, of ways in which it has more permanent. Now, awry normally could be, could be interpreted two ways. Right could mean it must be awry, must be, because the whole point here has to be different from your house. It's not your house, it has to be different from your house. And if you say must be awry, you might demand that it actually be made in a way that's more temporary. So what might that be? Maybe less than 20 a month, right? Now, nobody ever said it has to be small, okay? But in theory, you could have said maybe it has to be small, right? Because you're demanding. What did Tosa say? Is what the one thing we started today by reviewing? What did Tosa say is demanded by the idea of awry? What's demanded by the idea of a ride? We started. The one thing that can't be made in a permanent way in your sukkah? The, the schach. The okay? The schach cannot be permanent. Okay? Cannot be permanent. However you define permanent, letting the ring do. So that's a way in which it requires. It requires a ride. But other aspects, like the question here of the dimensions of the seven tzachim by seven tzachim, right? Nobody, nobody says that it has to be. It has to be small. Where are the areas that we require a ride? You know, is not. You know, is is t- to be figured out. Okay, and but, but regarding the issue, maybe it requires by the schach. But regarding the issue of of uh, the minimum seven by seven sachim, we're not saying it has to be small. We're saying it's okay if it's a ride. But then you have a principle that Right, I understand. That's the debate. Rebbe says, in order for it to serve as your house, right. it has to be Keva. Rebbe says, in order for it not to be your house, it's right. got to be a ride. But again, that doesn't demand that everything be a ride. Maybe minimally it demands that the schach be a ride. But in terms of the size, we're saying it's okay if it's a ride. Right. Yeah. So it's really, it is interesting because that not, the concept of transferring from your house to the sukkah as the place that's keva, right. is it located in the demands of the physical structure? Right. Or is it in your perception of what you're doing? Right, right. So, okay, so this is important and we'll get back to it, but here we are seeing that everybody agrees that 4x4 four four is the size of a house. The question is, what is it that you demand of a sukkah? Okay, so Amar Mar. Now we're going to uh, unpack this. 
it's exempt from mezuzah and from a and from a railing. The Aimatami bin Goyim and from Saraf. Veinu Nechla Bavat Erechoma. It doesn't get sealed in the city. It doesn't get you know the sale isn't made irreversible after a year. The Ein Chosim of Mirochim Yochoma. You don't go back from the draft. My time to why the bias kli all of them it says bias as I mentioned when we were doing it the first time all the verses it says buzat beitecha and bayit 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 and everybody agrees you need four by four to be considered a house you don't it doesn't it doesn't have to participate in the Arab and you can't put an Arab in it. My time is a little It's not fit for dwelling. So even though there's no conceptual idea of house. But the idea still is the people that dwell in the courtyard have to join together for it to be one space, right? So, the, so therefore, it has to, you have to be considered to dwell there. And if you live in a little hut that's small by four by four, you're just passing through. You're not really dwelling there. Okay, but it's not as much about the object of the house. There's no concept of an object of a house. Um, now it clarifies you don't put the Eruv that's made by the houses of the courtyard in it because the halakha is where does the Eruv go it goes into one of the houses and we just said this isn't a house or this isn't an, a, a, a space that's part of that that arrangement you can put the, the bread collected for the shituf mava'ot for the courtyard getting together to join in in a shared alleyway my taima it's no worse than the courtyard itself. The halacha is Shabimabloy. That's in the Mabloy. People remember, right, the basic configuration here? Yes. Right? Houses in a, are part of a chutzar. And the chutzar right, open up into a Mabloy. Okay? So, where do you put, when you join together in a chutzar, all the houses join together, you put the A roof in one of the houses of the chutzar. This isn't a house. When all the chutzers join together in order to be able to use the mudway, where does it go? It goes in the chutzah. In one of the chutzers. It could go, right, it could go in the chutzah. It doesn't have to go in a house. It could go actually in the yard itself as long as it's in a protected space. Now we turn to the Mishnah. A rube chutzeris b'chutzer. The rube chutzeris goes in the chutzer. Shituve mavos the mudway. And the sheet of mavos go in the mudway. Now that's not true. Ravina, but we ask them this. A rube chutzeris b'chutzer? You Eruv chutzeris goes in the yard itself? That's not the Mishnah says. No, say a roof of the base sharach sadrum irpeset. If you put your your eruv in the like a guard gate, the little hut that the guard sits in by the gate, or the achsadra, uh, the portico. If you look at Rashi uh, about uh, eight lines down in the medium sized lines, achsadra. Rashi says shalif nea bayis shakarin portico. So, just let you appreciate <laughs> that. Okay? Yeah. What? Uh, yeah, a vestibule, or it's also something that no, it would sometimes be roofed and like have columns that hold it up. Okay? Umir um, Peset, or a, uh, you know, a uh, porch. Ain't no A roof. It's not good because it has to be in a place that people dwell and people go pass through these places. They don't dwell in those places. Sadarsham ain't no Ain't no if you live there, you don't, you don't make a problem for other people. You don't have to contribute to the A roof. That's not a place that you're considered to be a place where you dwell. So you don't have to put the A roof in the yard. You've got to put it in one of the houses. Here's how you have to read the Mishnah. The Erev Chatzeris goes in one of the houses of the courtyard. And Shitufi Mavos, the, 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 the partnership of the, of the, for the Mavoy, for the alleyway, Bechatzer Shebe Mavoy, goes into one of the yards of the Mavoy. So since that can go in the yard, when it's for the, for the it can't, for the Chatzer, it has to, the Erev Chatzeris, it has to go in a house. It is in a house. But for the, for the unifying of the alleyway, it goes in a yard. So a yard, it could also go into this little hut. So therefore, this little hut, it doesn't have to be a house. It's no worse than putting it literally in the courtyard itself. That's that explanation. So it's only, it's only a problem of putting it in the, for the for the Erev Chatzeris, not for the Shitu Fame of Oath. Now the last part, the last two parts. It's not a pregnancy between these two cities, as we described. It's not even like a borgening, which is like a little lean-to that's made for watching the fields. So the I, interesting point here is, is that the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, the, um, the, this case about the two cities, right, and this thing here that's in the midpoint, it doesn't have to be a house, even if it's a lean-to that somebody goes to watch the, the sheep in the fields that can connect it. So if you can connect it by a lean-to, why do you need a four-by-four four house? 
so so here's the answer. It sounds like this. My time, borgening chazili milsayu, because something that's a lean to is fit for what it's made for. The high lo chazili milsay. This is constructed like a house, but it's not fit for living. This is like a. There's basically it's like a difference. There's a difference between a condemned house and a tent. Okay, does a condemned house provide the same amount of shelter as a tent? Maybe, but if it's a condemned house, it has no, it's not recognized as having any, like, you know, it's inappropriate, nobody would live here in this context because it's built as a house and it's not fit for living as a house, as opposed to something that's built as a tent, that actually suffices. So while you don't need a house here, but if it's made as a house and it's too small, that makes it illegitimate. Okay, Rashi, by the way, points out that a borgenin is made for, like, a one-night sleep where something that's constructed of the house is implicitly made for multiple nights and for a more regular dwelling, and this is not fit for that. So that's why it does not join the two cities. And the last point is, you cannot divide a house this small. So as much as one minute. Time of the late Bay Arba Amos. You're telling me that you can't divide it because it's not four Amos. Hi, East Bay Arba Amos Chokim. Once it's four Amos by four Amos, you can divide it. How is a house four Amos by four Amos fit to be divided? You don't, you can't divide a courtyard uh, until each person can get four by four amot, and if no, yeah, and that can't be. So maybe you sell it and divide the proceeds, but it's not considered that somebody is getting anything meaningful if you're giving them less than four by four amot. So even if it is four by four amot, you can't divide it. Each person doesn't get enough. So the Gemara says, Ela'ema ein bo din chaluka kichatzer. It doesn't get divided like a chutzah gets divided. What does that mean? And now we're going to see that the way you divide a chutzah is somewhat determined by the number of houses in the courtyard. So let's take a look. Chutzah is divided by its doorways. And Rav Chizdamar notes in the kol petach petach arba amot. Every doorway gets four amot. And everything else is divided equally. What does that mean? It means... Two brothers, Ruben and Shimon, are dividing the courtyard that their father Yaakov left to him when he died. Okay, now this courtyard has one nice big mansion over here, okay, and it's got three little houses, or three tiny little houses here. Okay, so Ruben says, and each one has one room. Okay, so Ruben says, I want the mansion, and Shimon says, I'm going to take the little houses. How do you divide the courtyard? Okay. So one opinion says, look, a courtyard, the whole purpose of the yard is made to give you access into the door, to unload your stuff and to you know, go with your donkeys, and it all just serves the house. So one opinion says, Shimon gets three, has three doors, and Reuben only has one door. Shimon gets three quarters of this, and Reuben gets one quarter. Okay? They divide the courtyard based on the number of doors. Mm-hmm. The other one says, no, 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 no. You need, I agree, you need some of this yard to serve the houses, but not the whole thing. So, for each doorway, you get four by four, you know, or actually not four by four, four base and times the length of the doorway. Okay, but anyway, you get, you get a section of four, a most by each doorway, that, you know, Reuben gets one and they, he gets three, but the rest is divided, the rest is divided equally. So here the point is, if one of Shimon's houses here is less than four by four, then it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. However, you, you, you factor in the doorways, whether it's proportional the whole yard or whether it's to give you space in front of the doorway, it, if, you're, if your house is less than four by four, it, it, does, not fa- it does, does not factor in. Okay, so let's just read that. The honey mealy bias, when do you factor in doorways? When is the doorway of the house? That it's going to stay that way. So, Yavinale. So then we give you the appropriate amount, either the whole field or for amot, chutzer, yavino le chutzer, we give you a portion of the yard. Hi, this, to a Mr. Kai, it's like I said, a condemned house. It's ready, it's basically deserving to be knocked down. Lo yavino le chutzer, you don't get any part of the yard that corresponds to it because it has no significance, something that's made as a house, this, this. Okay? And more of this.